In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, Christ is risen. Christos Anisti. Very good. Uh, first, I, I noticed uh, some new faces, and so I would like to welcome them to our church, and I tell you, uh, it's such a blessing and uh, and great uh, to see new faces always. That's, that's a good thing. I also see some faces, I would like to welcome them, of course. I would also see faces that don't come very often. And so I would like to see you more often. Uh, and those who come regularly, uh, good to see you again. So, <laughs> all right, so, uh, so now, uh, Blessed Feast of Holy Resurrection, and I would like to start with a question. Uh, what if there is no afterlife? There's just nothing. So we, we, we go, or we die, and there is just nothing. How would you live your life if that's the case? I'll tell you. Of course, it's, it's such a provoking thought to just pause because we're just always uh, thinking of eternal life. We're always thinking of paradise. We're always thinking of resurrection. And so when we're faced with uh, such provoking questions, sometimes we don't have the answers to them uh, right away in our lives. And sometimes we need to take a step back and Think about it. So, uh, ancient uh, religions and ancient philosophies looked into man in two pieces, a soul and a body, right? They're totally two distinct components almost against each other's. And so, based on this, they came up with the concept of uh, let's eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we shall surely die. And that means it just it ends, right? And so based on this premise, the way they lived their lives, it's either they thought pleasure is the end of things, and so they gave themselves up to totally pleasure, or they took the other extreme and they lived such an ascetic, ascetic difficult life. And by the way, this is not very strange from what we live in now. Sometimes when you meet someone who does not believe in the Lord, their way of thinking about life is just let me do whatever I want to do. Let me give the flesh whatever it wants to do. Let me indulge myself in food, uh, pleasures, uh, either you know alcohol or sexual or this or that, and just... Let me do whatever I want to do. And that, this understanding is not new, by the way. This understanding is coming from very old times. And the more the newer approach to this is, now, there's nothing after that. There's nothing after life. There's no afterlife. And so the best I can do is that I can leave Earth better than what I live for the generations to come afterwards, correct? Right? Okay, and we know very well that we totally failed. 
in this task of trying to leave Earth better for the generations after us. We know very well we totally messed this up and we didn't do very much good. Now, when we look into the Jewish tradition, for example, I'm coming into resurrection. Just hold on. So when we look into when we look into the Jewish uh, tradition, for example, we look into man differently. We look into man as one piece, soul and body coming together. And then the question comes in the Psalm says, uh, "What is man that you are mindful of? Uh, you set him to be a little bit lower than the angels, and you crowned him uh, above all the creation." Right. So uh, the Jew, the Jews thought man is very highly. Uh, creation, very, very uh, uh, created as a crown uh, of creation to God. And that is absolutely true. So, so now we have these two almost uh, distinct or these two uh, extreme ideas on who man is and what man is and what do we see after life, that is after life or not, or all of this. Now, Ancient philosophies also try to resolve this problem. What do we do with the soul? Or what do we do with the body, right? So for the soul, some of them came up with reincarnation of the soul. A person dies and then his soul comes and enters into somebody else. Just trying to come up with a solution to this man who is so good and so great, so amazing, so wonderful. But then they cannot imagine man's life to go to vanish just after death. So they came up with all different ideas. And this is why, for example, when Paul preached in, in one of the cities and he, and, and he spoke to them about resurrection, he said, oh, what are you saying? These are strange teachings. We would like to hear from you about these things again. And so all these thoughts and ideas about what happens to us after we go uh, comes to mind, of course, we know, for example, that even the Jews were scared of death. So I'll read you two verses from Hebrews 2. So he says, In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's us, We've, we have flesh and blood, he himself, the Lord Christ, likewise shared in the same. So he shared in our flesh and in our blood. That through death he might destroy him, who had the power of death, that through his death he might destroy who? Who has the power of death? Very good, yes, Satan. Excellent, very good. And then, so, so to destroy him who had the power of death, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So people lived in fear of death. That's even in the Jewish uh, uh, understanding. So it's either they had the wrong understanding or they had a fearful understanding. Until, until, until Christ comes and says, I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the resurrection and, and life. Now, if resurrection to the Lord was not so profound and so important, if resurrection 
Pay attention with me in this. If resurrection is fake, because I know now many youth come and ask about those things. What's the purpose of life? Where do we go from here? And now even some, sadly, some Christian denominations, very sadly, come question even the resurrection. If the Lord was not real, he would have said, I will rise in the spirit. Right? So after three days, you go to the tomb, you find his body, and he says, you know, I will rise, I, I will rise in the spirit, and then my spirit went up, and nobody has evidence of anything at all hidden behind the tomb. Yes? But he didn't. He said what? He said, I will rise in my body. I will destroy this temple, and I will raise it up. I will build it up. I will bring it up. And when you look into the account of resurrection, the Lord left no room for anyone to doubt his resurrection. And even those who doubted his resurrection, he appeared to them and he asked them to touch them. So there are those who, according to tonight's gospel, do not touch me, which means touching is possible yet not allowed. Yes? Or come put your hand in my side, which we will see next week. What I'm trying to say is that the Lord left no doubt when it comes to resurrection. No doubt whatsoever. What do you want me to do? To appear to 10 people? I will appear to 10 people, all of them together. You want me to appear to two people walking on the road? I will appear to two people walking on the road. You want me to appear to 11 people? I will appear to 11 people. You want me to appear to 500 people, all of them at once? I will appear to 500 people, all of them at once. So all doubt about resurrection is put aside. This is why we come today and we say, Christ is risen, and we can firmly reply and say, Truly he is risen. Now, I don't want you to think the resurrection account is about the disciples rising up from their sins. This is a beautiful idea. But that's not what the feast is about. The feast is about truth and facts that the Lord is risen. Bodily is risen. This is what the feast is about. It's not about, you know, the disciples now imagining, oh, now we don't have sins anymore. Now my sins are vanished. These are all beautiful, great ideas. But that's not what the feast is about. The feast is about a matter of fact. It's about truth. This is why when we come as Orthodox Christians, and Christians generally, when we come and say we have confidence in, in the resurrection of our Lord, then we have confidence in the resurrection of our Lord. When we come and say I, we look for the resurrection of the dead, of the dead, then I am truly looking for the resurrection of the dead because it's no doubt. Now, these people that we spoke of, the 10 and the 11 and the 500, these are real people. They just lived a lot earlier than us. 
So the truth of resurrection is, uh, is very important to us. It's actually what gives us purpose in life. Resurrection is what gives us uh, 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 purpose in life. This is why I go again when we say Christ is risen, O Christos Anesti, Alisos Anesti. It's not a matter of greeting. It's a matter of that I'm confirming a Christian fact. It's not about a reoccurring something, but it's about a memory anchored in history. It's not going anywhere. It's truth, and we stand firm on it, and we stand in confidence in it. Now, how does this change my life is the question. Well, now, if I have a confidence in the resurrection, and I know that I will rise again bodily, then the things that I do in the body and the things that I do as a human being, as a complete person, it would really matter. It really does. The things that I do in my body and the, the thought that I have in my mind, they do matter. They do matter because they bring evidence. Do I, do I truly believe in Christ as the Lord God who is risen? And do I follow him and I follow his commandments? Is my life and who I am, am I anchored in who he is? Do I have the faith that he will, on, on, on the day of resurrection, he will raise me up and tell me, come to me, O beloved, beloved of my father, receive and inherit. Or is my faith is shaking? Now, how do I participate in this? I participate in my faith in Christ. I participate as I am baptized, dying and rising up with him. How does the power of resurrection come into my life? I think the fact that I can live confidently in the fact of resurrection, I think that gives me strength. But I think there's a bigger dimension into this. As I partake, as I participate in the death of Christ, I will also participate in his resurrection. As I participate in his, Christ, in his cross, I will also participate in his glory. As I die to the world, he will raise me up to eternal life. This is why now eternal life makes much more sense. Because I have a person who spoke of resurrection and showed that he is stronger than death and that he is stronger than him who has the power of death. And so my faith is not shaken. But my life also has to be altered to be in line with the author of life, Christ himself, to be in line with the resurrected Christ. Now, when I have a confidence in something, I need to live this way. So I hope, I hope I shed a little bit of light not just on our purpose here, but at least I shed light on some dark thoughts that come and, and confuse me sometimes. 
in regards in regarding to in regards to what happens to me afterwards? Do I look into events like happening in Sri Lanka and I'm absolutely shocked by it? Or absolutely. But do I see in the midst of darkness, do I see light? Yes. Do I consider those who die for the name of Christ as martyrs? Absolutely. Martyrs? Absolutely. Do I look into the events that happened in Upper Egypt two days ago? Absolutely. I look at this. And I say, you know, the world is vanishing. But there's a bigger world. There is light after darkness. Christos and Glory be to God forever. Amen.